You're listening to Wealth Tech on Deck, a podcast about the future of wealth management technology, brought to you by Life Yield. Here's your host, Jack Sherry. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Wealth Tech on Deck. Thanks for joining us. As our regular listeners know, I have the privilege of speaking with industry leaders each week about issues that move our industry forward. We talk about the confluence of human and digital advice, wherever it might take place, whether it's wealth and asset management, retirement, insurance, annuities, and or technology. So our guests are working on strategies to help advisors, investors, participants, and firms enjoy better financial outcomes. We do tend to focus on the challenges and opportunities our guests are grappling with each day, what's new and exciting and where the industry is headed. So today we are speaking with Evan Rappaport. Evan is the CEO of SmartX. SmartX is a tech innovator in the managed accounts and turnkey asset management spaces. Uh, Evan, welcome to Wealth Tech on Deck. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. So Evan, let's start with you telling our audience about SmartX and your role at the firm. You guys have made some news recently, so maybe you want to share some of that too. So. Sure. Yeah. So I'm the CEO and founder over here at SmartX. And at SmartX, we specialize in building unified managed accounts technology, certainly a niche within the wealth tech space. But, you know, we do focus specifically on helping advisors to both find third-party asset managers through our platform, through our TAM, to search them, combine them, rebalance them, tax loss harvest them, et cetera, all in a single account. So there are very few firms that do this. And, you know, we've been able to make some really great strides here over the past few years. You know, we've grown assets from just over a billion to almost 30 billion. And we've recently taken in an investment from Morningstar, who took our entire Series D and invested 30 million in our firm. So we're really excited about both that and working with Morningstar at the same time. Yeah, that's exciting. I'm sure we'll talk some more about that, but it's a pretty significant vote of confidence. So congratulations on that. Thank you. So why don't you talk about a little bit about how you got started? How did this whole thing get rolling? What's your background? How did uh, how did SmartX come about? Sure. So I've always been in the wealth management brokerage space. Ever since I came out of college, Jack, I came out, I got licensed. I started working at Payne Weber. Dates me uh-huh, a little bit uh-huh. because Payne Weber hasn't been around for a really long time. <laughs> I remember too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I said Kidder Peabody, then we'd really go back. But Were you a Kidder? No, I wasn't that. No, I wasn't. <laughs> But I started to pay, and uh, you know, I was a broker. You know, I continued to you know work up the ladder on the brokerage side until about 1998, when the Asian flu happened, and at the time there was a Taiwanese chip shortage, and the president was going to be impeached. This is going way back, obviously, because of the Monica Lewinsky scandal or something that was going on. The Russian ruble was being devalued. There was a whole host of stuff going on, and the markets dropped precipitously. And then, you know, again, recovered and then fell again in 2000. But during that time, I recognized that as a broker, it was really hard to do two things well. That is both raise money and manage money, right? Because they both are full-time jobs. And candidly, as a young broker, I didn't have the skill set that the analysts had. Certainly, I had research and such and what they were telling us to buy and sell, but not the same skills that, you know, an outsourced investment manager would have. And at the time, I found hedge funds because they were kind of new and interesting and provided absolute return. And I didn't have to rebuild my book when the markets collapsed, right? And so I thought that was a really great way to grow my practice was to outsource the investment management to people that candidly were smarter than I was in that particular area, or we were able to spend more time in that area. 
And so I started doing that and growing my business in that way. But what I found was that there were no easy ways to source hedge fund information. And I had to know somebody and they had to introduce me to somebody. While the information today is somewhat commonplace, there were no areas or places yeah, to get yeah. that information back then. So I started a hedge fund database called hedgeco.net. And it's still in business today. It's one of the largest hedge fund databases out there. But we started that so I could find hedge funds. And then, candidly, I dropped my practice. I sold it. And I started focusing specifically on hedge funds, both working with them to raise assets, to quantify their data, to produce software for them. And really, you know, just because of Hedgeco and the popularity of it, we really expanded the practice pretty substantially. Now, I'll fast forward, hedge funds had a great run, but after 2008, the markets changed, right? In that the hedge funds were no longer in favor and people were getting locked up and there was you know, lack of not only transparency, liquidity, security, there were side pockets and style drift, there was Madoff, there was all of this stuff going on. And so <laughs> folks said, there has to be a better way, Jack. And what they came up with was separately managed accounts. Because in a separate yep. account, I have... I don't have to worry about those things. I have my own account. I have full transparency, liquidity, security. It's my account. No one can steal from it. There can be no side pockets or funky business or if there's style drift, I'm going to see it, right? So that's the holy grail. But most hedge funds wouldn't give you a separately managed account unless you had $50 million. So that was the yeah. hard part, right? And this is really what spurred on the idea for Hedgeco Vest, which became SmartX. And that was that we recognized there needed to be a separately managed account platform for alternatives because there were no ways to simply access this. And so we went out there looking, Jack, and there were no firms that could handle yeah, that or yeah. do that. So we had to build it. Yeah. And we embarked on this mission to build a platform for alts. And we did that. And we came out with a platform called Hedgeco Vest. And the minute we came out, we won all these fintech awards. But the larger firms swooped in, right? Schwab, Investnet, Orion, Black Diamond or the Advent, and they all saw what we were doing and loved it and asked us if we could, you know, work with them or figure out a way to help them. And, you know, we ended up choosing Black Diamond at Advent as our partner at the time. I had a lot of respect for SSNC coming out of the hedge fund industry. They are the platinum provider for administration, right? The number one provider for hedge fund administration and an un unbelievable wealth tech firm with five trillion on the wealth tech side. So we thought that would be a great partner. They didn't have a TAMP partner, and so we worked with them to develop SmartX, what became SmartX, from HedgeCoVest and expand that to include long-only managers in that we were doing things a little bit differently, Jack, in that we trade in real time and we were publishing performance in real time or near real time. And, you know, the architecture included sleeve-based sort of visibility at the, you know, we keep our investment book at the sleeve level. So we were doing things different because we were dealing with a different product set. But it turned out everything we were doing was so much more advanced than what was going on in the traditional TAMP space. And the big, the larger providers saw that and they said, boy, we could take this technology, we could apply it to long only and make it so much better. And that's what we did. And we focused on the RIA side. We dropped the hedge fund side. We still have hedge fund strategies on platform, but we expanded the platform. We now have almost 1,100 strategies from almost 300 managers. Mm -hmm. That includes all the largest firms in the world, BlackRock, Morningstar, State Street, those types. And that's how we got to where we are today. So that was a bit of a long story, but, you know, kind of get you there. No, yeah, no, that's great. I love the passion. I love early uh, innovators. So it sounds like some things fell your way in terms of where the world wound up. So I'm especially curious now when I see a big firm, like big smart firm, like Morningstar, make that level of commitment. They don't do that lightly. That's not a... That's not something, just know the folks there pretty well. Very smart folks making very strategic and smart decisions. Talk about that, your relationship, where you fit into the organization. I know it's really early days, but where do you think it might lead? 
one, what you've said is 100% accurate. They are a wonderful organization of really talented and bright people. You know, we had three term sheets, Jack, coming from, you know, the largest players out there. And we chose Morningstar as our partner over the rest because of a couple of reasons. One, the culture is fantastic. It's very much in line with our culture. They are entrepreneurial and innovative in the way in which they're looking at wealth and technology. And so that's something that we wanted to be part of. You know, they're going through a big rebuild of their entire wealth technology, and they've invested $50 million into that division to rebuild office and such. And so there was a real opportunity, Jack, to take SmartX and expand it and give it a larger footprint with Morningstar. And so it's important to note, and I don't think a lot of folks realize or understand this about SmartX, in that we build unified managed accounts technology. So while we operate a TAMP, because we had to prove out the technology and we did this for Advent and for Black Diamond, and we still do this today for larger clients, not for smaller clients, but we really build the technology itself, the UMA technology. And there's only a few firms that do this. There's InvestNet, there's Vestmark, there's us, maybe a little bit of InvestCloud with the old APL structure, but very few few firms. And the legacy firms are just that. They're great and wonderful firms in that they've been around for a long time, but their technology has also been around for a long time. And we had the advantage of starting later. And so we were able to code into APIs, right? So we have an API first structure where microservices, so we can scale really fast and our systems are really quick. You know, we have real-time trading, which is a little bit different as we've discussed, sleep-based architecture, open architecture, so we can integrate with, with anyone. But, you know, when it comes to Morningstar, they have an existing TAMP and they have a big model delivery business of almost $70 billion, but they need technology to be able to deliver that at scale. They were using APL. It no longer fit their needs. They were looking to take that technology or technology that could process trades, do the reconciliation, process third-party asset manager trades, et cetera, but ingest that into their own ecosystem. And they couldn't do that with the existing technology, Jack, because it doesn't use a or doesn't have APIs available. And so the APIs are really important for firms that want to take components of what you provide, ingest that into their own ecosystem and provide a platform that is, for example, all Morningstar branded, look, feel, etc. You wouldn't even know that we're in the inside. And that's candidly where we prefer to be, right? We'd like to be the Intel inside. We want to power every TAMP that's out there, not just Morningstar. They're wonderful and they're going to expand their TAMP offering. And we're a critical part of that. So the opportunity with Morningstar not only was working with great people, great culture, very much in line with our culture and our, our uh, sort of thoughts over here and how we look at the world, but also a tremendous business opportunity for us strategically in both powering their TAMP and now building out their direct indexing platform, which they've gone live in beta. You know, if anybody can produce a DI solution, Morningstar is one of the largest index providers in the world. And we believe that they can be the leader or one of the leaders. And we're super excited about being their technology behind that platform. So a lot of opportunity for SmartX. And also it validates and gives us more credibility, as you noted, Jack, in the market so that other firms who, like you said, know that Morningstar doesn't make a decision lightly can also also sort of draft their due diligence and and then potentially utilize SmartX and be more comfortable about it. So I want to take it up a few notches. One of the things that I observe, you and I may have talked about this, but this convergence that's going on in the industry, you see wealth and workplace coming together. You see 
annuities, uh, not just being sold in wealth management type accounts, but also now with defined contribution, you see hedge funds being more readily available and accessible. You see TAMPs working with TAMPs. You see tech working with tech. You just see a lot of convergence going on. And Morningstar is a great example. They do all sorts of stuff, but they also seems to me like I don't have the inside scoop on this, but I'm assuming they're happy that you're not only working with them, but working with others. This sort of cross-border is starting to come together. And it's all driven by API. So there's you're more nimble, you're quicker, you can be more customized. Another buzzword that we hear a lot around is hyper-personalization. And more than the buzzword, it's real. People want it just the way they want it and all that. So if you would comment on that, sort of that broader trend, I'm talking about that convergence, that API-driven way of being more custom, more nimble, more customized. Talk about that if you would. I think you nailed it on the head, Jack. Everybody's different. And, you know, you get into, you know, some of the larger firms. Example, we recently contracted Hightower, right? And we're moving some of their advisors over from InvestNet. But each one of those advisors, it's a large firm, has a different set of tools that they use, right? So one may use Orion, one may use Black Diamond, another one Tamarack and Riskalyze or, you know, Life Yield or, you know, whatever, right? And so we want to be able to provide these services, these technology solutions for them in a seamless or giving them a seamless experience so that the technology can work together. And that's what the APIs do, of course. One thing that you know, I realized with Hedgeco going back, my predecessor firm, and kind of told you a little bit about that. We try to do a lot, right? We ended up, you know, seeing all this opportunity, and we try to capitalize on a lot of it. We ended up becoming mediocre at everything, and not really experts at one thing, right? And so I promised I wouldn't make that mistake with SmartX, and we do just focus on UMA, and we look to firms like Life Yield and Fifty Five IP and those types, right? For you know those other services that they can provide, and that does two things for us. One, it gives the client what they're looking for specifically and integrates with their existing technology so they're comfortable. We don't force them to change what they're doing today. Two, it gives us best in breed. Those folks like the folks over at LifeField, like you know, Jack, they, you know, focus every day of every year, right, on their craft, on their technology. We're never going to focus that much on tax and, you know, that type of tooling, right? And so this gives us a huge benefit of being able to ingest and and then create a, a stack that is really platinum relative to its offering. Mm-hmm. And that's the benefit yeah. of APIs. No one firm is going to be an expert at everything. I'd like to have you expand on that. You're right. You're, you're, of course, speaking our language at Lifefield. We, this is what we do. We, we're the tax folks. But we work with planning tools. We work with portfolio management tools like yours. One of the things that we've recently, I'm not even sure we've told you about this yet, but we've developed this concept of multi-account UMA. I, I think we've probably talked about it. But and all we're doing is taking existing capabilities and applying it because we're API-driven just like you are, like the rest of the world is becoming if they're going to be nimble and they're going to be stay current and if not try to get a competitive advantage. And one of the things that we talk a lot about, I'd love to have you comment on this, is that I've been having this conversation a lot. In fact, a recent conversation with a senior exec at Morgan Stanley, where the president of Morgan Stanley, Andy Saperstein, said that they're connected and integrated with all their various partners. We're one of those partners. And as I said to someone that works for him, as we were having a conversation, I said, but you left an important piece out. And that is, it's one thing to be connected. It's another thing to be integrated, but it's far better to be coordinated. In other words, you need all three. And as you've just sort of highlighted, I'd love to have you comment on that. If you're going to prove outcome, our, our view of the world is you got to address cost, risk, tax. Those are the three ways you can improve alpha, call it, beyond investment alpha. 
which, you know, that's the stuff you guys do. We don't do that. We try to help it with the tax piece. Cost is a factor always, uh, as you know. And then, of course, risk, how you manage that. And we don't do that either. But if you're going to make a risk adjustment, you're going to have a tax consequence. you got to figure that one out too, right? So I'd love to have you talk about this notion of coordination because our sense of watching you guys, and we're quite impressed with what you've done so far and think you're going to be doing a lot more coming down the pike. Talk about that coordination thing. Talk about that API thing. Talk about how you make this stuff work together and, and your role in it. Because you almost, I don't want to say stateless, but you're you're willing to work with anyone and everyone to make for a better outcome. So talk about that if you would. Yeah. I mean, it really is just that, Jack, right? So, you know, when you utilize SmartX, some folks, you know, care about, as they should, tax, right? And, and they do tax loss harvesting more frequently, you know, and they think about that when they make investment decisions. I tell you that some advisors don't at all, right? I've got advisors that don't do any tax loss harvesting or think about it in a way that, you know, potentially they should. And their argument, of course, is performance alpha versus tax alpha, right? And so that happens sometimes you drift from the original model or from the original thesis, right, by changing it for tax. But, you know, if you do it right, that actually doesn't happen, right? Because you substitute with a highly correlated name and you're making decisions from an informed perspective. So I don't think that's actually a good perspective to have and not think about that. But, you know, for those that do, you know, they want to see, for example, what the impact would be of a transition, right? Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. you know, again, what happens if I sell and I buy or, you know, whatever the case. And, And so giving them that as they're working through SmartX, it's critical. You know, they have to have that information at their fingertips at that moment. And we can give them that, but we're not going to give it to them in a way that's as robust as what a life yield is going to give them, right? And yep. with all yep. of that functionality. And so, you know, it's important to have that coordination. So it's not just, hey, like it's a single sign-on. No, it's actually fully integrated so that, you know, as I click that button, it's giving me that information and it looks like and feels like it's coming from the same place, right? Yes. And so yep. it's yep. that yep. coordination that creates that seamlessness that, you know, isn't as bespoke as when you move from place to place. And it just yep. it just yep. feels like you're just being forwarded and it doesn't, you know, work as well. A lot of clicks, right? So, Evan, one of the things that, as you're saying that, that really strikes me is the fact that we're doing this, sounds like you're doing the same, is we're working with lots of different partners. So, we work with financial planning tools, as an example. We don't do planning, but we make planning better because while planning will have a, a, a bit of tax stuff, we, we look at it, there's at least eight different ways you can improve tax alpha. It's tax loss harvesting, it's asset location, it's transitions, it's well, a bunch of different ways, you know, Roth conversions and RMD guidance, all that kind of stuff are all part of the mix. So planning tools go so far, but they kind of weren't built to do tax management. They're just not built that way. And we find that we work with, frankly, other firms that do transitions because they do it one way and we can support that at a higher level since we do multi-account. Certainly uh, around working with uh, who's ever social security tool or our own especially, but how do you coordinate the social security question in the midst of all that? So I'm curious, and this gets us to my, sort of my next question about where the world is going. My, our sense, and I'd love to have you comment on this, that increasingly it's really about how to build an ecosystem that will be lots of people that were once called competitors and are now called partners, or maybe not competitors, but Competitors, at least for the the dollar that an advisor or firm is going to spend on tech, but really increasingly the game at hand, in our view, I'd love your comment, is about how to cooperate, is how to work together, how to coordinate to produce a better outcome and contribute what you have to contribute. But love your thoughts on that. 
I'm 100% in the same direction. In fact, we've had conversations internally about this, Jack, that we plan on providing more of a focus, right? So while our platform is open architecture and allows for a lot of this, you know, it's been driven by consumer, the consumer. And the consumer says, you know, I want this, you know, for me and a lot of folks, including us, will do an integration, but it's very specific, right? It's a specific integration for that one client. It's not a general or sort of broad integration. And so there may be, you know, a lesser integration as a result of just providing what that client needs versus a broad integration, right? That makes it available to everybody. So there's two types, right? Because very often, you know, revenue drives, you know, your roadmap, right? And it just drives your resources, as you know, right? So if a client's saying, hey, I've got, you know, this business that I want to put on there and I need this, and there's another guy right behind them and they also say, I need this. Well, sometimes you'll do the quick work to just get that one client up and running because you got to get the other guy up and running, right? You can't do the broad work. Whereas, you know, what really we're more focused on now and today, right, is expanding the general sort of integrations within SmartX and creating those partnerships, as you said, Jack, more broadly, right? And letting the advisor come to SmartX and choose what they want, not just tell us what they have, right? But rather come on to SmartX, pay a low base rate for SmartX. It'll be, we're going to revamp the pricing model that's going to be actually much cheaper than anything else that's out there relative to the TAMP part. And then if you want to add some of these other services like Life Yield or a CRM or a planning tool or whatever, you can do that at a smaller cost, right? And you can do that right through the system. So it works as a distribution mechanism for both our partners and it helps our existing users in matriculating the platform to the state that they're most interested in, or at least in an environment that they're, you know, most comfortable operating within. But it is a big focus over here to create this over the next, you know, sort of six to 12 months and really focus on these integrations and partnerships. Yeah. One of the things I enjoy about doing this podcast, I get to talk to people like you, which is a lot of fun. And well, we haven't chatted a whole lot. We're simpatico for sure. And one of the things that uh, I find especially exciting is watching how our industry and, and also learning, by the way, the people that listen to are people like us, people that are paying attention to this stuff. It's sort of fascinating. I keep getting anecdotal information. In fact, I spoke to a group at at Aladdin the other day, team of their folks uh, inside sales and account management and uh, relationship management. And it turns out they all listen to the podcast because they want to hear what people like you have to say and where the world is going. So it's been sort of fun to find that um, the way Spotify and Apple work, they don't tell you who's listening, just some numbers, but they don't tell you who. Anecdotally, I hear it's actually people like us that are really interested in where the world is going. So before we move on to start to close down our conversation, what haven't I asked you about that you're excited about or that you see coming down the pike that we've talked a lot about this coordination thing? I think it's central to where our industry goes. But anything else that I that comes to mind that you're particularly interested, excited about, curious about examining? I know you're busy doing what you're doing every day, but it's got to be a few things out there that you're wondering when you're going to be able to get to them. Yeah, no, there's a lot of stuff that I'm excited about, Jack, and either products that we've built and we haven't really announced yet over the last year and ones that are forthcoming outside of the existing optimization of our business and some of the new clients that we're bringing on. You know, we are going to announce also a, we signed or in the process of finalizing our contract, which is literally sitting on the desk, but with one of the largest custodians out there, the largest investment and most respected investment banks in the world to be their UMA chassis. And so there would be using SmartX as their tool and they're going to be building off and around that tool. So that's super exciting for us and can't wait to put that announcement out there. Just more validation outside of Morningstar, you know, some of the largest firms who have 
And when you hear this firm, you will know that they are very, very careful about the decisions that they make. It takes years for them to make these mm-hmm. decisions. And so, you know, we couldn't be more excited about that announcement. And, you know, within SmartX, we've got two things that we recently built and released. One is a, a cash management tool that allows advisors to automate RMDs and dollar cost averaging, choose whether they want that to go right into the rebalancer, pro rata, equal weight, custom. They can really just automate that because if you're an advisor and you, you know, forget an RMD, it's it's not a good thing, right? It's it's bad, and you don't want to do that. And you've got sticky notes, and you've got your you know your admin and such, and assistants reminding you. Well, the system just does it for you now, and it does it in the way that you instructed to. That's really exciting. It just helps with efficiency for advisors. We try to create tools that they can use that make their lives easier and don't rely on third parties or them calling 15 people to get it done. That's one. The second one is more exciting. And that is that we just built a new billing application and tool that we went live with that is, and I say this humbly, no less than awesome, right? I mean, I've used the other tools out there and, you know, what causes us to build over here is when we can't find it in market. And that's where, you know, you talk about integrations and APIs, right? I won't build something that's out there It's like what we talked about. I'm going to be experts at what we do, right? But I don't want to spend the expense and then maintain it and optimize it and keep building the tool if it's already available and I can just license it for a low cost because you're going to go through that buy it or build it, you know, lease it or build it, you know, type of argument internally. But but we couldn't find a tool that did what our clients wanted at scale. And so our billing tool, you know, it's the most advanced out there in my opinion. It does, you know, backwards, forwards and arrears in advance, quarterly, monthly splits, carve outs. And it does it at scale and it does it with a really easy to use interface. And that was the hard part of some of the existing tools that were out there. There's one tool out there that's been around forever. It just got acquired, you know, and that's interesting to me because what I find from some of these firms, like the larger firms, is they go out there and they acquire stale technology, which is so strange, right? Like you just bought something that I just lapped twice over, right? And it's far better, like way better. Because you bought 10-year-old technology, right? So, you you know, it's hard when you're buying old firms, right? Like you're buying old tech versus a firm that's building new tech, right? And innovating. And so anyway, so we're really excited about the billing app. We had, you know, we've run the, the, we ran the billing through one of our clients. We found $200 million worth of unbilled accounts, $2 million in revenue, right? That wasn't being collected. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money, right? On an annual basis. And then, you know, these firms sell. And when they sell, they get a multiple of that. So what if you got a four or five times multiple? I just spent $10 million for you. It's a lot of money. You know, the difference is when you have technology that can do this at scale, right? Versus individuals and humans. And that's really the thrust of SmartX. A lot of what we do is automated reconciliation, rebalance. You know, there are teams of people at these firms that do this. They use another, they buy a TAMP technology and then they don't realize they have to have spin up 12 people to do the recon on it, which is crazy, right? My whole system does that and eliminates those 12 people. So that's a real cost, right? But it's also that when you use technology, there's not going to be that human error, right? We're going to run through things quickly. We're going to find these, you know, mistakes or areas where the, you know, the lines don't match up and, and the system's going to go ahead and do that. It's going to do that quick, right? So anyway, it's really exciting to have the billing app out. It's really exciting about the cash management app. We're going to come up with some cool names for it. We're not good at marketing. And so we need to do that. That's one area that, you know, we're not good at naming things, but, um, but we're really excited about that. We're excited about the new customers coming on. We're excited about moving Hightower. And, you know, we're, there's, there's more stuff we're building right now. Fixed income sleeve with in a UMA, which is kind of cool, manager traded. And so that's really not 
not been done properly in the market. So like I said, I, I, we talk to our clients, we listen to them, we, we hear what they're interested in, we, we listen to what they don't like. And, you know, we've got 125 people here now, Jack. So we've grown a lot, you know, from 20 people yeah, to 125. Yeah. And a lot of those are, you know, 70 of them are engineers. So we will yeah, build yeah. and we will rebuild if it's not right. Congratulations. This is, I've been an admirer and fun to get the more, the deeper view of what you're all doing. It's very exciting, very exciting stuff. So congratulations. Well, thank you so much. Really appreciate that. And we're, look, we're excited to work with Lifefield. That's one of the top integration partners that we are, you know, looking to, to onboard quickly. So, you know, very excited about what we're doing together also, Jack. I know we've been talking and it's great to hear that uh, we're heading that way. Normally, I, now I would ask for a summary, but you just did a brilliant summary. So I, I, I think we're going to skip over that question. You, you have a lot going on, and it's uh, from what I, where I sit, really smart, really good. So uh, the personal question I love to end on is, uh, and as we do with each of our podcasts, could you uh, share with us something interesting or unique you do outside of work that people may not know about you and would find particularly interesting or surprising? Well, I like to go to the gym, <laughs> you know, so I've got, I've got two kids, right? So, and I'm divorced and I've got a girlfriend. So, you know, I've got a lot going on right on the outside. And so my time gets taken. You know, businesses keep me busy yeah, too. Right? And that, I got a lot of people here. So, you know, it's tough, but I do enjoy, you know, going to the gym, working out with free weights and such. I enjoy biking a lot, you know, when I can get there. I love going to the beach and taking the boat out. So, you know, we do that as often as we can. We live in Florida for a reason. Those palm trees right behind me, right? Make it the lifestyle really. <laughs> Real easy. And we've got so many big firms now moving here. BlackRock just announced they're opening an office. Uh, you've got Elliott right. Capital, Goldman, everybody's moving here. So that's exciting. That's primarily what I'd like to do. And I tell you that I have an affinity towards cryptocurrency. I also like, you know, dabbling and, and you know, I'm really intrigued by, you know, that industry and have been for a long time. I've been a, a crypto investor for probably, you know, six years now and I've uh, been really deep in it. And to that end, actually, we're going to be bringing crypto to SmartX. So that's another cool thing that we're doing. Cool. And, cool. you know, working on that now, hopefully getting that up in line either Q4 or Q1, but, you know, really interesting space. I love financial technology. I live, eat and breathe it. And crypto is a really big part of what I think the future is going to be as it relates to decentralized finance and tokenization of securities and such. So it's exciting to get ahead of that. Evan, thank you. This has been a wonderful conversation. I've really enjoyed getting to know you and getting to know the depth of your business and you personally. So this has been a lot of fun for our audience. If you've enjoyed our podcast, please review, subscribe and share what we do here at uh, Wealth Tech on Deck. We're available wherever you get your podcasts. Evan, thanks. This has been uh, terrific, a real pleasure. And I look forward to our next conversation. Well, thank you so much, Jack. Pleasure's mine. I look forward to it as well. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wealth Tech on Deck, our ongoing conversation about improving financial outcomes for all. This podcast is brought to you by LifeYield and produced by Reverb. Subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can connect with our host, Jack Sherry, on LinkedIn and Twitter. And for more information about our perspective on the future of financial advice, visit our website at lifeyield.com.